Well, Father, since you beat my ass yet again, the first round's on me. After that, you're on your own. Come on, George. I beat you by ten strokes. That should warrant more than a single round. If I paid for all your rounds, I'd have to take a second job. A health board investigative supervisor's salary isn't enough to pay your bar tab, Padre. Are you saying I drink too much? I've never seen anyone drink so much fucking white wine. It's my only vice. Forgive me. I forgive you, but check with God. You know I will. And speaking of jobs, how's work, George? It's not good, Father. Why not? It's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is what it is. Do tell. A couple of months ago, they shuffled the staff around. I got assigned a new team of investigators. One of them was this woman whom I was told was our most gifted investigator, Julia Castro. Shouldn't that make your job easier? It should. I knew she was smart, but a little odd. As I got to know her better, I realized how interesting she was. She's one of a kind. How so? You just have to be around her. It's a psychedelic experience. For one, she has some very unusual hobbies. For example, she collects baseball cards. She goes to card shows and posts on internet message boards about baseball cards. Have you ever known a girl, much less an adult woman, who's interested in baseball cards? How is this a problem, George? Well, I fell for her. Hard. And I was encouraged by her affection for me. She likes me, Father. Well, you're a likable man, George. Sure, but I'm also a middle-aged career bureaucrat with a gut and alimony and child support payments. I just couldn't figure out why a wonderful young person like this would be interested in me at all. That's her business, not yours. At first, I was excited about her affections. I started telling her what I thought she wanted to hear. That we could be together, that I saw in her the qualities of my future wife. I told her I'd go to my management and ask them to have me transferred to another team of investigators so she wouldn't be my direct report to avoid a potential HR mess. This excited her very much. So what happened? I got suspicious and scared. I started to think about my first marriage, how hopeful and happy that began, how quickly it all went to shit. I started to think about my own shortcomings how quickly those would come out if we began a relationship. And plus, I have some things in my past that still bother me that I just don't know if I could be honest about. And I'd want to be as honest with her as possible. I just didn't want to suffer any disappointment. What things in your past, George? Now that I think about it, you haven't given a confession in a long time. A few years back, not long after my divorce, I was struggling badly with money. It was getting ugly. I thought I'd have to declare bankruptcy. But then some guy, a real goon if we're being honest, approached me offering some money to revoke the medical license of this Dr. Jerome Miller. Miller. The money he was offering was enough to get me out of the hole, so I took it. I made it look like a paperwork mix-up. Goodness, George. I know, Father. I'm not proud of it. Do you know whatever became of this Miller? I didn't know and I didn't want to know. 
but it's all come back to haunt me lately. Some weird guy's been sniffing around the health board about Miller. And for some reason I don't even understand, I asked Julia to look into it. But she's not happy with me at all. Well, why is that? Well, I told her I couldn't actually be in a relationship with her. Goodness, George, why not give yourself a chance at happiness? I don't want to get hurt. I want things to be clean. Well, are things clean now? It's an awkward situation at work, and you've got this poor girl looking into something from your past. If she's as gifted an investigator as you say she is, she's bound to find out you were a part of it. So are things clean now, George? They aren't, Father. I think you need to consider going back to this girl and telling her the truth, that you've, pardon me, screwed up a little in the past, maybe, and maybe you've got some things you don't like about yourself, but that you want to try a relationship with her. It's not often that old bloated Irish bastards like yourself have a young, interesting, bright, attractive woman interested in them. You're right, Father. You owe this to yourself, George. And if things don't work out and you get hurt, God and I will be here to guide you. It won't be the end of the world. You'll pick yourself up. For heaven's sake, you're getting a second chance out of love after a divorce and mistakes and years of being alone. Don't you see God behind this, you big dummy? You're right, Father. Now, where's the bartender? Forget pain, George. I've got this tonight. Bartender! A white burgundy for me and a... Lemon water. And a lemon water for my fat Irish friend. Hello, Dr. Miller. Brendan, welcome back. I guess it's time for me to get in the chamber again. Keep you out of trouble with the nameless. Thank you for doing this. I understand. It's no problem, Dr. Miller. You're certain? Yes. I went to go see that guy you recommended to me, uh, Alpha Dow. Oh, yes. How was that? I'll admit, I kind of bailed on him. But while I was down at the community college, I met another doctor, Dr. Morrison. She measured my light content. It's off the charts. What does that mean? You know what, Dr. Miller? I'm not entirely sure. But not only that, she told me I wasn't cursed. Knowing that, and knowing I have a lot of light content, I feel I can handle the chamber. Okay. Well, let me make a few preparations and we'll get you strapped in. Wait. Someone's headed into the office. Brendan. Dr. Miller. Sam. Dr. Miller, I owe you an apology. How's that, Sam? I thought you were a bad guy, and I quite frankly wanted to kill you. I'm sorry to hear that. But I don't anymore, and I'm sorry. Apology accepted, Sam. Hey, Sam. I'm sorry I haven't gotten back to you lately. I got your voicemails, but I just was preoccupied with feeling like I was cursed. It's okay. Are you all right? You didn't sound too good on the last message. 
I am now. I met this woman. That's great, big guy. Not like that. She's an investigator for the health board. Her name is Julia Castro. And through her investigation, she found out who's behind law firm LLC there. Oh, that was the firm that was responsible for suing Dr. Miller. You know about this? Yeah. Dr. Miller told me all about his former legal troubles. Well, she found out that law firm LLC was owned by none other than the Nameless Corporation. That makes sense. I was just about to put Brennan back in the isolation chamber because one of their goons threatened me. They want Brennan to keep going in there for some reason. It's because they want to take me out of the universe because of my abundance of light content. Mm, that's odd. Well, Julia Castro got their address, and so we went down there together last night, and there was no one there. But Castro flashed her health board badge and some janitor let us in. What did you find out? Well, as we scoped out the place, she made a recording on her tape recorder. She's always making these voice memos to her boss, George Murphy. Anyway, she made me a copy to play for you guys. Okay, the tape player is over there. Nice. Pressing play. Voice memo from Arizona Health Board investigator Julia Castro to Supervisor George Murphy, RE, investigation of former licensee Jerome Miller and his malpractice litigants, the Nameless Corporation. Boss, I'm currently at the offices of the Nameless Corporation at 5252 Broadway. I'm with former investigation subject, Sam. Say hi to George Murphy, Sam. Hi, George. Uh, Julia talks about you a lot. She seems very fond of you. We've entered the office with the assistance of a janitor outside. Once I flashed my health board badge, he seemed like he didn't want any trouble and let us right in. I suspect he's illegally practicing naturopathic medicine on the side, a possible angle of future investigation. In any case, we're walking down the hallway now. I'm approaching an office with a sign above it that says Jennifer Chambers. I remember this as the name of the woman Dr. Miller was having an affair with. I'm entering the office now. Very strange office. No phone, no computer. Just a very large chair. The chair is throne-like. It looks uncomfortable but powerful. And there's a wall of books. I'm going to have a look at some of the titles. The Aztec Pony by D. Mason Webster. Esoteric Errands by Reichardt Castell. Instructions for the Safe but Effective Manufacture and Application of Special Medicine by Laramie Breyer Juarez III. Very strange. Oh, here's Lights of Love by Dr. Wolfgang Messerschmidt. You know, boss, I've been meaning to read this. Garrett at the front desk recommended it to me. It has an inscription on the inside cover. To Jennifer, one of my prize students, you are a very beautiful and seductive person. I hope you use your powers for light. Wolfgang. Hmm. Hey, Julia, I found another office. It says Calvin Shade on the door. I think you're going to want to check it out. Okay, Sam. 
Boss, at Sam's recommendation, I'm proceeding down the hall to an office belonging to Calvin Shade. According to Joel Greenberg, he's the owner of the Nameless Corporation. I'm entering the office now. It's different from the office for Jennifer Chambers. Less sparse. There are wind chimes dangling from the ceiling and a fan blowing them around. There's plants everywhere. Another wall of books. There's also a big cabinet labeled pills. We'll take a look at that in a minute. There's also a big oak desk with a large stack of papers on it and a tape recorder. Look at this sticky note, Julia. It says, Get Brendan. Hmm. And here's an invitation. Dear Mr. Shade, the Society for Tipping the Course of History in Darkness's Favor would like you to be our keynote speaker at this year's annual meeting in Las Vegas. We'll make accommodations for you and Jennifer at a special suite in the Tropicana. I hope you'll more than consider it. Sincerely, Dylan. Press play on the tape recorder, Sam. I want to hear what's on it. Okay. Pressing play. Jennifer, dictation for your transcription. Rough draft of my keynote address to the Society's annual meeting. Oh, and please let Dylan know we'll be uh, attending, and I accept his offer to give the keynote. Okay. Begin dictation. Thank you all for your attendance here. It's good to be here. I love Las Vegas, and I think this is one of the better possible backdrops for our purposes. I don't know what the fine people of Las Vegas and its many visitors, or what the people of, uh, of America, or what the citizens of the world would think about our purposes. My guess is that they would think we represent evil. And I think there are those among us who probably think we represent evil, and they're okay with that. But I personally never equated darkness with evil or light, with good. I've never even been interested in evil or good. Now, I'm not saying I've transcended this dichotomy by any means. I've tried to live my life morally. I tip well. I treat most others with kindness. I've never killed anyone directly. I did a little shoplifting in my youth, but you know what? I was caught and I paid the price. My father gave me a good thwack on the head for it. And my father was a decent man, an upright citizen of Coleman, Illinois, the town where I grew up. But my father believed that people were damned and saved according to the will of God, chosen. That it was on the books before their life even began. And that's something by which I could not abide. And so as soon as I was old enough, I left my father's home in Coleman, Illinois, population 2,500, and went to New York City to study under the Christener Institute under Dr. Messerschmidt, whom I'd read about in strange magazines checked out from the Coleman Public Library. The Christener Institute appealed to me with its message of light in contrast to the dark predestination gospel of my father's home. In Dr. Messerschmidt's world, the course of human history is undecided, 
and we humans have the choice to steer it in one direction or another. This appealed to me very much, a choice. I wanted a choice. But something grew to trouble me greatly, that some fortunate few were born with light already in them. I was exposed to these people at the Institute and they were very attractive to me. My measurements were taken. No light content at all. No dark either. Nothing. And despite great study and practice, and despite many experiments conducted by Dr. Messerschmidt himself, no light content could ever be generated in me. And some of my peers just walked around, born with it in them. It seemed very unfair to me. It struck me that maybe they have more choice in steering the direction of human history than I do. But then I met another student at the Institute, my current partner and assistant, Jennifer Chambers, who you all know. I immediately felt a great attraction to Jennifer, and her measurements were taken as well. And she was the only student at the Christenser Institute that had dark content in her. And my love for Jennifer translated into a love for darkness. That's when I made the choice. But I knew which way I wanted to steer, and I had a great friend to help me do the steering. And so Jennifer and I left the Christenser Institute in cold and quite frankly dark New York City for sunny and warm Phoenix, Arizona, and we started the Nameless Corporation. And from our headquarters in sunny Phoenix, we've worked on a number of projects with the intention of tipping the course of human history into darkness's favor. Our current efforts are focused on gently removing an individual with inborn light content from the world and I believe we've nearly succeeded with help from the local medical community. But we began by experimenting with pharmaceutical manufacturing. Our effort to create a pill that would bring darkness into the world through the human mind didn't quite pan out. But we were able to create one, a pill, that is, that at least replicates the experience of darkness. Now, in the process of doing so, we also accidentally created a pill that replicates the experience of light. And as far as that goes, okay, end dictation for now. I have to take this phone call. That's weird stuff, Julia. I would have to agree. Those pills he's talking about? They must be in that cabinet over there. Boss, Sam and I are now approaching the cabinet labeled pills. Sam is opening the cabinet. There's a whole bunch of boxes labeled dark pills. There's also a box of pills labeled light pills. Under the label, it says do not use. What do you make of this, Julia? I'm not really sure. I could bag a few of these pills to have them tested at the lab, see what's in them. Sure. Another possibility is one of us could take one and find out what it's all about. That's crazy. I know, you're right. No way I'm taking one of those fucking dark pills. Me neither. But the truth is, I could sure use some light as of late. Me too. You know, we both dedicated a lot to this investigation. 
That's true. Taking one of these light pills wouldn't exactly be... Taking one would be commensurate with our commitment to the investigation. Exactly. Leaving here without taking one? Would demonstrate a lack of commitment to the investigation. Here, I have a bottle of water. Boss, Sam and I are now each consuming one of the pills labeled light for the purposes of the investigation. anything yet? No. You? Not yet. This is insane. There's no way those pills do anything. Right. This is silly. So, how long have you known Brendan? You know what, Julia? I'm not really sure. It's weird that I can't remember. I kind of recall meeting him. You know that feeling, uh, like you've known someone for much longer than your lifetime? Absolutely. Well, when I think about Brendan, I think about like a duumvirate. Like, we ruled somewhere in tandem. Like maybe in Southern Europe or Mexico. But of course, when I think back on it, I see Brendan in a hat with many feathers. In fact, I, I recall venturing out on, um, uh, with Brendan, just him and I searching the countryside for the best bird and picking off of it only the best feathers. Sometimes we'd go out and we wouldn't find the right bird and we'd come back with no feathers. No feathers at all? And sometimes we'd find the right bird, but it would only have one feather worth picking. I think it would... I think it would took us many years to have put that hat together. But didn't you also have a hat with feathers? You certainly deserve one. Thank you, Julia. You know, you deserve one too. I, I had a hat with feathers, and I had a whole cape made of panther skin, which leads me to believe that this was Mexico or Panama, maybe. A honeymoon in Panama would be unbelievable. Are you thinking of marriage? I've known someone for many lifetimes, and it's time we were finally unified. George Murphy. George Murphy. Only he hasn't been always called that, you know. He's been known by various names in various epochs. But the only other name that comes to mind is Don Mario. That's so cool. Don Mario? And he's always been well-fed. What great fortune to live many lifetimes and always be well-fed. That's beautiful, Sam. Does Don Mario also want to get married? He doesn't know it, maybe, but he does. In fact, he told me so a few lifetimes ago. You've been patient. I've been too patient. I deserve a big wedding and a honeymoon in Panama. An officiant with a panther skin cape and a hat made of feathers. I'm imagining an Aztec wedding with conquistador Don Mario. I'm imagining that as well. I, you know, I, I'm feeling a great friendship for you, Julia. I'm 
feeling a great friendship for you as well. Okay. In the spirit of friendship, I would like to give you a friendly kiss on the lips. This would be a friendship kiss only. Hmm, I don't think that's a good idea. And Don Mario is listening after all. Oh, right. Don Mario, I think the light pills that Sam and I took have now taken effect. I'm going to stop the tape recording now while we enjoy the rest of this experience. This is Health Board Investigator Julia Castro. End of voice memo. So what do you guys think of that? Um, so she wasn't into the friendship kiss? Afraid not. I think I may have been given one of those dark pills by Jennifer Chambers when she was posing as Monica, the art journalist. Did you guys find anything else out? Well, we mostly just talked about the various lifetimes of Don Mario. I see. Well, it's obvious that the Nameless are very dedicated to removing light from the universe. If they succeed, then the course of human history will be tipped in darkness's favor. At least that's what Rebecca Morrison told Wild. But Sam, they've threatened Dr. Miller and his family, so I have to go back in the chamber now. Will you be all right? I think I'll be more than okay. I have a lot of light content in me. I could tell. All right. Strap me in, Dr. Miller. Brendan, remember, remember to, to think, think positive, positive thoughts. thoughts. Thank you.